you will, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Dad was taking his uh, little girl shopping. They were going to pick out some shoes. Mom had already got her dress and all the accessories that go with that. They were going to help her pick out some shoes. And... Uh, and, and they were in there trying on different shoes and different colors and different styles. And, and all of a sudden, she just says, I can't wait to Easter. And they said, well, what does Easter mean to you? Wondering what she might say after her amazing shopping spree. She thought for a minute and thought for a minute, you know how three-year-olds can be. You can almost see the wheels turning. Closed her eyes and just laid back her head and said, Surprise! (laughs) Yes, surprise. On the third day after his crucifixion, God said, Surprise, devil. I'm alive. Surprise, Roman Empire. You couldn't. Put enough guards around the tomb. Surprise, Peter. You didn't really believe it. Surprise, world. I'm alive. Easter is about surprise. I I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation for faith and the motivation for ministry. The resurrection of Jesus is a central event around which Christianity exists. If there was no resurrection of Jesus, witnessing would be worthless and faith would be fruitless. And this is what we find the story in John chapter 20. The crucifixion is done. Christ has been buried. The third day has come and gone. And all the disciples but one got to see him in his resurrected state. Except one. And the disciples were trying to tell Thomas about the event. And he's going... Here's what he says in verse 25. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas was one of those, hey, man, he just, yeah, I, yeah, I got to see it. I, I know what you guys are telling me. But it's just hard for me to comprehend. It's hard for me to receive like it is for many people today. But I want you to know if I can see him, you got it. All right? And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out and, and your hands and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then said Jesus, he told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Three things I want you to take note of today. Number one, as we talk about Easter gives hope. We live in a time where we need hope like never before. And so Easter is God's motivation for our hope, inspiration for our hope, 
Validation for our hope. So the first thing I want you to get is the resurrection validates Jesus' identity as God. The resurrection lets us know that Jesus was who he says he was, is who he says he is, and will do what he's promised to do. And so if that's the case, because he's God, it's important. We know his works, the miracles he performed, certainly validated his divine power. They've never seen things done like he could do. And then we know that his words, he spoke of his divine person, I, the I am before Abraham was. And, and so uh, he, he knows, he identifies who he is for those who hear. And then his wounds on the cross where he validates divine love. And so you have this one central figure in history who came uh, from heaven to earth, born of a virgin, and he, and he did amazing wonders and signs. He spoke with great authority and he died on a cross, a horrific death. And yet his claim was, I am God. I am the one you're looking for. I am the hope and the resurrection of life. And yet many just said, I don't, the Jews, did, they rejected him. I've had the Jews cried out, crucified. And oh, yet when he was buried in that borrowed tomb from Joseph Arimathea, on the third day he arose from the grave and he validated who he was, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Jesus had told Peter in Matthew 16. Now, he was talking to the disciples. He said, guys, I got, you got to know that I, I'm going to, to have to, I'm going to experience a, a cruel death. I, I'm, it's going to be hard on you, and I'm going to go through a, a very hard time. But on the third day, I'm going to resurrect. Peter didn't get that part. All he heard was the cross part. And he said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go to the cross. He said, Peter. And he rebuked Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan, because here's what needed to happen. Peter didn't hear the part about, the, cro- about the, re- the resurrection. He only heard about the cross. He heard about the death. Jesus said, I want you to know I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life. And that's the hope of the resurrection. And that's what we have when Jesus said, I'm the one who can raise myself back to life. I will not be conquered by the grave or by death. He said, Peter, I'm the one that's going to fulfill the covenant promise. I'm the one who's going to usher in the kingdom of God forever. I'm the one. And some of you will see that in the transfiguration. You'll see what it's like and what I'm talking about. And what awaits those who believe in me. You see, Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You see, he said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to do something no one else has ever done. I'm going to resurrect myself. There's been resurrections in the Bible, that's true, but he resurrected himself. I will do this. My Father, myself, and the Holy Spirit, because we're three in one, will bring about a resurrection. And there'll be no doubt of who I am. I am God. The God who can deliver. The God who can save. The God who can forgive. I can believe in Him. I can trust Him with my life because of an empty tomb. Many people have been crucified. But none have been crucified. Died. And resurrected by their own power. None. 
the greatest founders of religions throughout the world, looking at world religions, have started many different types of belief systems at, and work-oriented systems of, of faith. But none died and rose again because they were not God. As a matter of fact, your great world leaders of religions have not ever claimed to be God. Jesus said, I am. I am. And he said, because I, and he, in John 14, he says, guys, don't let your heart be troubled. I, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back again. Meaning, I, 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 something's going to happen. I, I'm going to die, but that's not going to be the end. That's just the beginning of the story. Because I'm coming back for you, and you're going to have a place with me forever in a place called heaven. Where my Father is preparing a place just for you. He is God. And so what He tells me about my life, I can believe because He's God. He can make it happen. If he tells me that I, that I will die, but I will re- live again in him, I can believe that because he's God and God doesn't lie. I can believe that because God doesn't fail. I can believe that. Well, there's something else I want you to get. The resurrection also confirms the cancellation of sin's penalty for those who believe. This is important. In Romans 4... It says this, Romans 4, 24, it says this. But also for us, Paul says, that means us, those believers, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He's saying, understand that the cross took care of our sin. In his death, he... he, he eradicated the penalty of sin, the stain of sin in our life, and it was canceled. We don't bear it anymore. We don't have to deal with it. We don't have to somehow uh, compensate for it. It was canceled at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ, who was God satisfying God the Father. And in that satisfaction, we know it was satisfied. We know it was good. We know it took because he brought him from the grave. To live forevermore. You see, it confirms the cancellation of sin's penalty. He said, it was taken care of. My son, you did enough. Wake up. Wake up. Come out of that tomb. And he did. He is an amazing Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I want you to just celebrate Easter with me for a minute. I, I've, I've got one of my favorite, favorite little clips I want to show you. Because it does such a better job than I can of explaining all of who Jesus is and what he's done. So I want you to get this. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. 
Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah. That's mocking. That's mocking. Amen. That's mocking. Hallelujah. What a Savior. One thing else I want you to know. The resurrection encourages the hope of eternal life. Jesus died identifying with the death that comes from sin, a death that's a part of this life. But that wasn't the end. He didn't just pay for our sin that we could be forgiven, and, but He also secured the reality of eternal life for all who believe in Him, for all that know Him. Do you know Him? hope of eternal life. There's something beyond this life. There's something beyond the death that may come as a product of disease or a product of accident or a product of violence, whatever may be the cause of death, natural causes. It comes. 
It's important a man wants to die, then the death, after death comes the judgment. But for us who have believed, for us who know him, we, our, our sins have already been judged at the cross. And we enter into eternal life, this, this mortal body, this body that's growing old and growing weak and often sick is going to be put off and will receive a new body, an immortal body, an incorruptible body that is prepared to live forever in the very presence of holy God. That's the hope of eternal life. Yes, our friends will die, our family will die, we will die, but that's not the end. We have the hope of life. Beyond the grave. Beyond that funeral service. There's something inside of us that desires to know that this is not it. And this is not all there is. The great skeptic Ingersoll would argue against Christianity. He would defy the fact there was a resurrection. Adamantly so. There is no such thing. Until he stood at the casket of his daughter. And then he seemed to hope, surely this isn't it. Even the skeptic has something inside him that identifies with something beyond the grave. Beyond death. The resurrection tells me there's life beyond the grave. Jesus was the first fruits. I mean, he was the example, the model, the, the first, the premier of the resurrection. And all those who are in Christ, and that means you've been saved by his grace through faith. And, and now you have, you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have that same hope of resurrection. Because as he was resurrected, you too will be resurrected and be forever with him. It is the hope of that resurrection. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's comforted his sisters. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then Jesus would raise Lazarus back to life. He would restore his life here. Lazarus would die again. But what Jesus was saying is, I have the power to give life eternal. I have the life to, I've overcome. I have power over the grave and over death. And even Lazarus, while he has died, and three days he now is really dead, obviously, I will bring him back to life. He will live again because I speak. He will live. And I want you to know that was a foreshadow of the day when we die. And one day he will speak and we will live again. That is the hope of the resurrection. No matter how we come to the end of this life. If you have believed in Christ, you have the hope of eternal life. And we live accordingly. And we worship accordingly. And we witness accordingly. Because as surely as there is a life of those who believe with him forever, tragically there's a life separated from him forever in a place called hell. And that's why we tell the story of Jesus 
the cross and the tomb, there's hope of eternal life. It's, of course, uh, Masters is being played this weekend at Augusta National. I watch it. It reminded me of a golfer that I enjoyed watching play golf. Uh, he dressed uniquely, played courageously, was awesome. His last win was a major of the U.S. Open. He seemed to almost be having an amazing revival of his career. He was amazed, playing such great golf. His caddy would say, this has, been, uh, this has been amazing what you're doing. He had also recommitted himself to Christ. He was a devout Christian follower of Christ. And he would begin to witness on the tour. Matter of fact, uh, as he was growing in his faith and sharing, his caddy would say, I believe this is your finest hour, man. Uh, this is what you're, just, you're doing. And, but uh, Payne Stewart died tragically in an airplane incident. So untimely from our standpoint, after his death, the church he attended and was involved in and his family, they had a uh, father-daughter dance, banquet. And there was a stand-in for Payne Stewart with his daughter Chelsea. And as the night progressed, things went on. This man said to Chelsea, I am so sorry that you couldn't be here tonight with your dad. I'm so sorry that he's not here and that he can't have this dance with you and he can't have this date with you. And Chelsea looked to this man and said, I will have a date with my dad when I get to heaven. The hope of eternal life. Surprise, he is alive. Do you know him? That is the question, isn't it? Has his life become your life? Has his truth become your hope? If you open your heart to receive the King of kings and the Lord of lords that cannot be described, that is incomprehensible, and it is undeniable.